Welcome to Bookish Podcast with Caffanel, a podcast about books ish. A quick disclaimer before we start there may be some spoilers, so please save the episode for later if you don't want any. And also, please follow us on social at We Are Bookish Pod. We hope you enjoy. Hi. Hi. I am well, thank you. And um, by the way, guys, we have just been on the phone for an hour. And I just want to say that before every episode, when we start like, hey, how are you? <laughs> it's so fake because we have just spoken to each other for an hour. <laughs> it's like, hey, girl, hey. And it's just like, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I know the intricate details of your life. We actually do. We know everything about each other's lives. If me and Ali don't text for a few days, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what's happened? <laughs> I don't know what's happened in Ali's life. I'm normally, yeah, and that, I don't feel like that happens often because if, I, if I'm if i not texting you, I'm normally sending you, like, a cat reel or I'm sending funny quotes on Twitter, like memes. So there is yeah. always some kind of, like, exchange of communication. Yeah, Unless we're, like, away on holiday because then we tend to give each every, people the space to just enjoy holidays. As it were. Yeah, that's true. We're pretty good with that, to be fair. Yeah, because um, I will just ignore, just as a general general point or general rule, I will just ignore you when I'm on holiday. Like, don't message me. I'm away. <laughs> Let me live. <laughs> um, Let me live my life, please. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going on holiday tomorrow. Where are you going? Amsterdam. I don't know why I said going like that. Amsterdam. Yeah, I've never been. I'm so excited. I've never been. Um, no, I didn't. Like, I've been to like many, many other European cities, but not Amsterdam. So I'm really excited. And I want to go to the Van Gogh Museum, which is so nerdy, but I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, Catherine. I know. Catherine. Um, it was really funny because at work, everyone's like, oh, you're going to Amsterdam, are you? Like, oi, oi. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm really excited to see the Van Gogh Museum. And everyone's like, right, okay. <laughs> Smoke weed, take drugs. <laughs> no. I definitely don't. So it's quite funny because it's quite funny because when you say you're going to Amsterdam, that's what everyone's mind jumps to. It's just quite funny. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited. It should be really good. And yeah, um, I think I think when my friend went with her mum and her sister, they took her and got like a like a weed brownie. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. To be so, fair, though, like it makes yeah. sense. Like. No, I don't know if I will or not, but we'll see. I'll feed back. I'll feed back. Yeah, I probably like won't. Get an <laughs> but like, you know me, I'm a bit... Yeah, probably Get won't. Well, we're, in <laughs> we're in California. Yeah, we did that. We were like, it's free. It's legal here. <laughs> so we got edibles. <laughs> Which is, they were nice. We're like, sweets. Is it legal in California? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so funny. When we went to... Co- when we went to Coachella one year um we were walking behind this girl and we saw something had dropped out of her back pocket so when we got closer she'd like literally like dropped her weed like a roll like one she'd already had pre-rolled um and so we we're like hey girl you dropped this and she looked at us and she went oh my god girls you saved me I wouldn't know what to do with that just keep it and we're like okay Sure, fine. No. It's legal in California. That's so, so random. It's so random. But yeah, but it's legal there. I don't know how many other states you can. Probably just California, surely. I feel like it's its own own thing, California. I want to go to um, California. 
I like California. I've basically been up and down all of it, so and several times. Um, mm. It's worth doing like the one hundred one, like all the way down from like San Francisco to San Diego, and 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 doing that stretch and going through like Montes, like no cow and like you know um did you ever watch big little lies when they dramatized it um i watched a little bit of it because that's all like that stretch along the big sur is beautiful so when we went over that bridge we put the soundtrack on and we were like oh cool sorry guys that's awful um but it's, it's just it's just beautiful it's like a brilliant road trip to do so definitely definitely put that on your bucket list Go okay, up there. yeah i will do yeah how many states is weed legalized in <laughs> uh recreational marijuana is legal in 19 states washington dc oh. and guam but yeah 19 fair interesting I find it really interesting how they have different laws in different places but anyway we won't digress into that <laughs> um what have you been up to I oh my god okay so in a few episodes ago I said that I would um tell you about the f45 challenge because I am now at the end I've finished she's free your girl is free. She and we're going out this weekend. We're going out drink. <laughs> they had like a challenge social after it was done yesterday. And your girl drank. And she drank with permission. As in, I had had alcohol in the six weeks. But I always felt like I was being naughty. I'm very like by the book as a person, guys. Like, I will bend but- rules, but I'm very like by the book. So I don't like to break them. Um, and no it's true me too Ellie me too I'm a good girl too so like having had alcohol I think mostly during the week when I was I I went to Athens for a wedding guys because I'm always at a wedding and it's always I'm always abroad um but when I was abroad at a wedding I did drink and it was nice but I also was very conscious that I was doing this challenge so I didn't want to go overboard anyway for anyone who doesn't know the f45 challenge is basically a health and fitness challenge uh where you sort of like readdress and reset or we uh or put into place good habits towards a fitness goal um it can be to lose weight it can be to gain muscle it can be for whatever it is that you want to do but you get a nutrition plan that you have to follow over a period of time and you have a training schedule that you can partake in with the studio or you can do your own thing outside of it but it's all it's all about promoting an active life and f45 is like their tagline is team training life changing and it, it truly is now this isn't the first time i've done it and kath can attest to it the first time i done it she was like I don't like this but I think when Ellie told me that she was doing it again yeah go on so I was like I'm doing it again and I was I literally was like what the hell no you're not (laughs) (laughs) it's like absolutely not and then I was like no no it's fine this time it's different I was like okay I'm gonna keep an eye on you though (laughs) I I feel like I'm in a, a much um healthier headspace this time because I'd gone the first time I did it it was literally the four-week challenge before we went into the pandemic I think that the I was at a different studio I think the goals 
set that they had in their studio was just like it wasn't tailored enough to the individual depending on what it is that they wanted to do and although it was also I would argue I would argue a very unattainable goal in four weeks yes like unhealthily unattainable yeah exactly and there was no flexibility in it um at all whereas I'm at a different studio now one closer to home um the community at that studio is just like the community at the one I was with before was fine it was closer to where we were working at the time um but it's different when you go to a studio or a gym that's closer to work because like everything's transient right whereas if you're closer to home everyone that's in your gym or your local facility you always often more often see than not and then like yeah going out for a drink after a workout or whatever is actually quite nice to do and I just I just really love my studio we had a games day the games day was fantastic um I won that um which was fantastic I literally turned (laughs) up was like volunteered last minute turned up and won it so I'm quite happy for that um and I made some really good friends out of it so it's been a journey but I have better healthy habits now than I did because that's what I wanted to reset because I'd fallen out Mm. of a good as you know because we haven't been recording often we had just really bad habits and I wanted to break them and I have a f45 bestie now she's my girl just a bit bit like all over the place it wasn't just exercise it was everything really wasn't oh it? yeah yeah and so when you when you try to get back on track you have to do things in bite sizes right small mm. achievable bite sizes and the next thing for me was okay let's readdress my bad eating habits and the fact that I don't have a consistent gym schedule because I've been here there and everywhere I've done it I'm going to continue to do it. It's not, I've not just finished the challenge and gone, okay, I'm done now. It's like, what's next? How can we build on this? How can we maintain it? So that's, that's been my journey. I would recommend F45, but I would also shop around to find a studio that's right for you because not every studio is the same and not every studio is right for what you need. Um, But Mm. I do like, it's expensive also, um, but I do, I do like what they do in general. So yes, mm. would recommend. And I also got my Good. friend. Well, I did also get my friend to do bar on the beach with me because I was like, I'm going to keep working out whilst I'm away. And my friend, I saw has, that on your yeah, Instagram. We did Emily's, <laughs> did Emily's bar workout. Emily Chadwick, been going to shout her out. She is a trainer on the Evolve You app, which is Chrissy Sellers app. Um, and she's a bar trainer there, and she's just fantastic. And I made him do bar with me on the beach, which was great because <laughs> he was like, "Oh my god, this is so hard!" But he absolutely loved it. So yeah, go Joe, well done, and go Emily if you want to do bar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all the shout outs. Who else should we shout, shout out? out. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to shout out my particular F forty five studio. But I also don't want people to know where I live. So, <laughs> sorry. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh. <laughs> if you want to do, do some social media, you can find <laughs> Go, 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 go. You know who we should shout out is Angie. <gasps> Shouldn't we? Angie! This is the bit we clip for social. Yes. 
Yeah, Andrew. basically, I so embarrassing because I sent Ellie. Ellie bought me a candle <laughs> for my birthday from her mate's business. Um, yeah, called Tribal Unicorn, and the candles are so cool. Like Ellie's bought me one before as well, and uh, yeah. she bought me one for my birthday. Which when when I tell you, I screamed when I opened it because when I saw it, I was like, "This is the coolest candle." And then <laughs> Ellie bought it for my birthday in June, mm. and I like was obsessed and I've had it out of my room that's made my room smell nice without even lighting it and then yesterday it was like raining I had a night in and I was like I'm gonna light my candle and read my book lit my candle and was like obsessed with it I was like oh my god this is so cool so I sent Ellie a voice note being like oh my god this is the best thing ever and I was so over the top because I am just over the top and then she sent it to her friend and <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed that she sent it to her <laughs> I was just like if you had spoken around it about other things, I wouldn't have sent it to her. But sometimes, like, as a small business owner, you just need to hear those types of things. And I knew that she yeah. would have really appreciated hearing it. So she then messaged me back going, it- does she mind if I use this? <laughs> it's, like, no, it's, it's fine. Um, but the thing but, is, this yeah, kind of candle no. is like a special candle. It's like, yeah. you know, you wouldn't just light it for no reason, but it did make me feel good. So... Yeah, it's she has a fantastic, but, and when I tell you, she literally has like a whole like workshop in her house to like for these candles. She really does. Like she's busy being a social media queen at work on the daily, and then she comes home and she pours all of her heart, energy, and soul into into her own business. And it it's honestly it's handmade, it's black owned, it's just. It's just great. So, like, shout out to Tribal Unicorn. Shout out to Angie for she inspires me. Honestly, she's like the biggest go getter of all of my friends and Aww. everything she and she's super nice. She's so, so nice, and everything I've she turns her, her hand to, but... she's yeah. Everything she turns her hand to. I only met her once, but she she was my. I just really liked her. <laughs> it was she's, like, she's, last year. Good vibes. She's good. She's honestly good vibes. And she really does like turn everything into gold. And my favorite candle of hers specifically. So it's the one I got, Kath, was kind of like the ones. What's that brand of candles called? That's quite bougie. This was the one that you got me was called the Alpha Holographic Candle. Yeah. Which is Um, like. But I've also had a different one before. Yeah. Um, The other one that you got me. They're basically like the one about the love and color one. The love and colour one. Oh, she she did Bolu's like press kit, Bolu uh, Babalola's press kit, um, when she did love and colour, and she had the candles, the candle neath that you can buy was what was included in the press kit, which is like peony. Look, oh, I've got the Egyptian so goddess luxurious peony flowers, which I'm smelling right now because I actually have it out. But um, my oh favourite one oh, is so Paradise because it smells like the beach. And if you know me, mm. even though I say I always want to go to New York, eventually I want to end up living by a beach. So I'm not being funny, but like I'm just obsessed with these candles. So go buy them. So yeah, And I like it. that Ellie buys them for me. <laughs> I literally, I just gift people candles, those those ones in particular. Ellie, she also Ellie gifts me candles and books. <laughs> I feel like I need to break out of that cycle now. I need to give you something different. No, don't. No. <laughs> I was like, there's one friend of mine that um, she she has wax melts. She sells wax melts. Um, um, but and she always does like uh, 
what's it called like tiktoks of her like clean doing wax melt changes which have like thousands and thousands of views it's so therapeutic to watch and I really just want to like I'm hoping to get her for Christmas like in Secret Santa so I can gift her some of Angie's wax melts and she can do a tiktok with those so I I got them for my sister they're actually more they're more like powerful than the candle genuinely genuinely so I bought my sister some wax melts yeah well you can get like nice burners but I bought my sister a wax melt and wax melt burner for like a few years ago and she we had both lit candles at the same time and I could not smell mine over the smell of the wax melts they're just really really potent yeah they're very good they're small but mighty well, my housemate was like, oh my God, that candle smells delish. And then obviously it was like the first time I'd lit it. So I was in my room and then I took it upstairs because I didn't want to, I needed to light it for like a long period of time. Um, so I put it in the in the lounge and my housemate was like, oh my God, that smells so nice. And I was like, doesn't it? And it looks <laughs> nice and it looks cool. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now about this candle. Um, go check it out. Check it out. Go, buy it. go buy it. Oof. Anyway, um, books. <laughs> the other our other love, candles and books. We're simple people. Buy us a candle or a book and we'll love you forever. <laughs> Not complicated. <laughs> um, easy day. Easy day, yeah. We're easy. easy. We're going to talk today about a book that was shortlisted for the Women's Prize this year called Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. Pretty much everybody's reading it on the tube. So if you haven't heard of it, then where have you been? Um, Sorry. Oh, what was that? Uh, my phone going skits. Sorry. In- in- ignore that. Continue. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's been shortlisted for the Women's Prize, and it's really good. Um, we both really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I thought it was an excellent novel. I won't lie to you. Um, and you agreed, right? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when you said, like, everyone on the tube is reading it and I was mm. going to get on, the, I got on the tube to get it out to read it and someone next to me was reading it and I was like, oh, I don't want to, no. I don't want to be that person and it's too, but I was like, I couldn't do it. So I just oh, sat and put cool. on an audio book instead. That's really funny. You should have done it. You should have, you should have done, done it and then got like, someone to take a photo of us. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody probably would have done. Um... But yeah, actually, when I was on the tube the other day, I saw this girl reading. Oh, what's the name of the author that wrote Never Let Me Go? Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Never Let Me Go. Is it called Never Let Me Go? The book that you lent me. Uh, Did I lend you a book called Never Let Me Go? Oh shit, maybe that's not what it's called. Oh yeah, Kaz- Kazuo Ishigori. Oh yeah. Yeah. And somebody <laughs> was reading somebody was reading one of his novels on the tube and then they finished it then they just whacked out another one <laughs> of the same <laughs> by the same author and I was like what <laughs> I was like I'm I sure she was reading that. a novel in a different country yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I let you Clara in the sun didn't I oh yeah sorry yes you did yes yeah, yeah I so I actually also did see someone reading never let me go on the tube that's the what day. they were reading I think that's why I got confused that's, I think one. it's just an actual thing, like people are reading that specific book. Yeah, no, they are. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, so Sorrow and Bliss. Um, should I read the blurb? 
Um, so everyone tells Martha Frill she is clever and beautiful, a brilliant writer who has been loved every day of her adult life by one man, her husband, Patrick. So why is everything broken? Maybe Martha is just someone who finds it harder to be alive than most people. Or maybe, as she has long believed, there is something wrong with her. Forced to return to her childhood home to live with her dysfunctional bohemian parents, but without the help of her devoted foul sister Ingrid, Martha has one last chance to find out whether a life is ever too broken to fix or whether maybe by starting over she will get to write a better ending for herself i really like this book i think what we were talking about this in relation to something else earlier where that book was probably i mean that was in in specific reference to like motherhood where he said that book was probably a lot more chick flitty and that's probably like not the best choice of words as a parrot in comparison to this which feels a lot more like literature yeah um, but I feel like it's just so the observations are so on point and so nuanced mm. um and it's like everything in life it's fluid so your perspectives on people maybe at the beginning, based on this narrator, who she's not overly reliable. No. Um, we love an unreliable narrator. We do love an unreliable narrator. Um, but as her relationships change, as she gets older, and she her understanding becomes mm. more, I don't know, as she as she gains understanding, so do our perceptions of these people. Yeah, um, there's a lot of relationships described in the book. There's like uh, family relationships, romantic relationships, like sibling relationships. Not so much friend. Actually, no friendships as well because that yeah. man, what's his name? Um, the old man. Peregrine. Yeah. Peregrine. Is that how you yeah. say it? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Hold on. Um, let me find it. Um, I can't find his name. Do you have a page with his name on? Um, no, that's about Jonathan. Of course, I wouldn't find it at the part where I need to. I know. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, so it's about friendships and family and like love and like a lot of like different like complicated relationships. And I guess like basically the theme of the book is like Martha, the main character, has um, like a lot of mental health issues. And I guess a lot of the book is describing how that like impacts her relationship with other people. And like the com like the complexities of like her mental health and how it is affecting her, but then how it's affecting other people as well. Yeah. Um, so I found yeah. a page with his name on it. It's uh, page sixty four. Okay. Um. Per yeah, Peregrine. I would say Peregrine. He's yeah. yeah. Um, um I so talking about her relationships, so she has a quite motherhood is like a massive theme in this book. Um and she's brought she's 
born to two very bohemian parents and they're described as being like artists and sculptors and poets and they have a very like unconventional lifestyle um Mm. and they would have just parties that the girls would just be at um and they were more like parties that that and they invited people that would make them appear more interesting it's very like that self-serving sort of vanity project type parties it reminds me of the parties you get in um and I've said this before about another book but uh you, you know in Breakfast at Tiffany's the movie when Holly Golightly has the party in her apartment and it's just like anyone that needs to be seen as being like intellectual yeah it is there but she has a very complicated relationship with her mother that eventually evolves into something else evolves as you know she gets her diagnosis um and when and I'm skipping ahead a little bit here because a lot's happened before that but she eventually after Martha's first marriage she eventually moves back in with her parents and she's in her mid-20s at this point and Mm. on page 90 her mother talks about about the impact that it has so she, she said It says, I saw my mother standing in the front window. I knew everything she was going to say, if not in the order in which she would say it. My latest occasion. It was not sick. I was highly strung. I could not self-regulate. And if I had a depressive bent, I also had an unbelievable knack for timing my dark periods with, for example, other people's career-making exhibitions. I thrived on negative attention. And if I had to break something or scream, or she would say in this case, leave a marriage to get it, I would. But like a toddler flailing around on the shop floor, shop floor, the best thing was to ignore me. And once I had calmed down, I could be invited to consider how my behaviour affected other people, setting back their careers, costing them a son-in-law they'd come to adore even more intensely since they first discovered them, and um, who always supported finishing off a bottle of wine and opening another. I skipped a, whole, a lot there. But her relationship with her mother is like quite interesting because at least at a young age and like way into adulthood her mother is very just quite a selfish person maybe yeah her mother's quite a complicated character and I guess yes. we only ever meet the mother from Martha's perspective so we get yes. like her thoughts and opinions and obviously as a child she felt quite like I don't know it's neglected the right word I don't know like her mother sort of like did these parties and whatever like didn't really like just did her own thing um yeah. She, so, she didn't have like yeah. a very conventional mother role in compar- and she sets up a, the juxtaposition with her aunt Winsome who is actually very motherly in all the mm. ways that is conventional for being like um, society societally conventional for being a mother in comparison to Martha. Yeah. And actually I feel like Winsome at the start of the book is portrayed as like quite a like straight lace, like strict person who's perhaps not that enjoyable to be around, but actually towards the end you realise that she's actually just like the stability that they yes. all need. Yes. Um so that's quite interesting, like Which character development. Quite a burden when you think about it. She is the family's matriarch and she supports mm. everyone. And could you imagine if they just took Winsome away? How what that mm. dynamic, what that structure would be. I feel like Ingrid would probably fall very much into that place. If we were going to look at how the family evolves, she would be the winsome. Mm. Ingrid is yeah, Martha's yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Martha's younger yeah. sister. Yeah, no, agreed fully. It's quite interesting, like, 
the family dynamics like not just like the immediate family but like the like with her auntie and stuff and then also like her sister and then her sister has kids and like how that fits in to everything um so yeah it's quite yeah it's quite interesting um yeah but like basically so the theme of motherhood so the author wrote you be mother before this which i've just finished reading i Sorrow and Bliss is an excellent novel. You Be Mother was fine. Like, I enjoyed it, but compared to Sorrow and Bliss, not quite the same level, I would say. But it's interesting because it's obviously about motherhood as well. So mm-hmm. I was looking up, I was like, maybe, like, there must be a reason why she's written about motherhood twice. But, like, I've read a few interviews about her, and, like, she was asked, um, like, whether it's autobiographical or not. And she said um what did she say she said well she said that it's not basically um and I don't know I thought I saved a bit where she said that it wasn't about um oh it was on this one was it I don't know I thought I saved a thing where she said uh whether it was autobiographical or not um Oh no, lots of people have said that it's autobiographical though. Is that the case? She said, no, I'm happily married and have two children in Australia. But like Martha, I learned a really important lesson along the way that you can't always have what you want when you want it. But if you persevere, you might get something else which could be even better than you ever imagined. Which is quite interesting. And then um, I said to you, it's funny that that's the case because on page 120 and 121, mm. this is the part where Martha, Martha goes to Paris and she tells Peregrine that she is writing a novel. Peregrine has given her the keys to his house, um, essentially mm-hmm. for her to like decompress. And she wrote, she said, when I told Peregrine I was writing a book that was constantly turning into a love story set in an ugly house, he said, first novels are autobiography and wish fulfillment. Evidently, one's got to push all one's disappointments and unmet desires through the pipes before he can write anything useful. So I was just like, oh, that's really interesting because then she makes this point, um, mm. but it's not autobiographical in any way. Yeah. But I guess you being mother is different because then, so yeah. But no, it's not because she's like a single mum, kind of. Yeah. Not really, kind of. Um, so yeah, it's really, like, it is really interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, it does feel quite autobiographical, doesn't it? But then, so, so then... In the Women's Prize interview, they said, can you describe Sorrow and Bliss in one sentence? And she said, everything I have seen or felt, thought or read somewhere and found funny or sad saved up in one single story. And I actually think that's like, like that's, I you can, now that I've read that, you can tell like that, that she's definitely like had these notes in her phone and she's like written them into the story. So there's this like, there's this passage where she's, so I think this is when she's like back from Paris before she's with Patrick, I think. Mm-hmm. She said, oh no, she's with Patrick at this point. So she said, in December, I got a part-time job, job at the Bodleian Library gift shop selling mugs and key rings and branded tote bags to tourists because it meant I could spend eight hours sitting on a stool, mostly not talking. A woman wearing a souvenir sweatshirt came in and I watched her put a gift pack of pencils up her sleeve. When she came up to the counter to pay for something else, I asked her if she'd like the pencils gift wrapped as well. I told her it was complimentary. She turned red and said she didn't know what I was talking about. She said she no longer wanted what she had put on the counter. And as I turned away, I said, only five shoplifting days left till Christmas and stayed sitting on my stool. 
I told Patrick, who said retail may not be my thing, after Christmas they replaced me with an older lady who was amenable to standing up. <laughs> it's just quite funny. Like, that's just quite a funny little, like, matter-of-fact thing that happens. And she's like, she obviously hasn't, like, got this woman in trouble, but she just, like, called her out. But, like, just I love quite, it. like, a no-fucks-given kind of way. <laughs> Super think, humorous yeah. as well. She was a bit yeah, older and chuckling to that herself. Was- yeah, so, yeah, and you can tell that that was like a, a like a mini story that the author had like somewhere in her like brain, you know. Yeah, there's so. also a passage on page sixty five where she's talking about meeting her first husband, um, and like she knows that she doesn't like this guy, but you know how it can be, right? You're dating someone, you know that they're not a right fit. You don't like what they do, but you always find yourself somehow back to their house or doing the opposite thing. And so Mm. she writes, he chose a sushi restaurant in Chelsea that he was for a brief time 100% in love with before he decided that food going around and around on a little train was incredibly juvenile. I refreshed my commitment to hating him the moment we sat down and slept with him that night. And I was like... That's definitely been me. Um, so, yeah. I was like, that's so you know, Like, it's just, there's lots of those really funny quips and observational points just, like, made throughout. Um, mm. Yeah. Totally it's really very cool. funny. It's really interesting because the book is obviously so serious in many ways and it's about, like, really, really, like, deep topics that are, like, really serious, like, affect a lot of people etc but then it's just really funny as well it's like the tonic to the to the theme isn't it like the funny bits sort of like break up all the other bits yeah yeah they do Um, and it's just done so effortless effortlessly as well yeah she's probably quite a funny gal like i imagine she's big quitted yeah um, she does that as well as um so there's a part where she asks Patrick whether he's in love with her or had been and he basically gets embarrassed and says no but that same day mm-hmm. she had just like finalized her divorce from her first husband and um oh, yeah. I guess he's sort of like checking in to see like are you okay and she goes I said yes sharply. I'm fine, Patrick. It's just been a full day of men who loved me once and then stopped or thought they were in love with me, then realised they were just hungry or something. And then she stepped back to her house telling Patrick that she'd see him later. She's just, just like, like men. Yeah. So honest. Yeah. I wish I was There's a bit actually more like, like that. Yeah, it's just like, oh, for God's sake, man. But there is a quite a nice bit at the end. So basically, this is not spoiling anything. Um but basically, um said, um, I have been loved every day of my adult life. I have been unbearable, but I have never been unloved. I have felt alone, but I have never been alone. And I've been forgiven for the unforgivable things I have done. I can't say I have forgiven the things that were done to me, not because I haven't, just because Ingrid said it is true. People who talk about how they've forgiven others sound so arsehole <laughs> <laughs> But it's just quite nice that she like recognises eventually that she has been loved and like... Yeah, and she is loved. And like all these people, like as dysfunctional as things might be, there's a lot of love around. Yeah. Nice. And that goes the same for all the other characters as well. I know they talk about, I mean, Nicholas is a character in the book who is a cousin who is adopted. um, And Mm. he is not like, he is so obviously like not 
like of like from them like because he he is I don't know what ethnicity is I don't think they ever really describe what maybe that's the point which is cool um yeah I think that is the point yeah I think you're right I think that is the point but I think it somehow creates an otherness as well and I don't Mm. know that the that was the intention to do that Mm. because it's all very gray isn't it but yeah. he still feels other because they don't talk about where he's from, like who his parents are, like they don't openly have that discussion. It creates mm. it creates an otherness for him with the family, like a separation, um, where he I guess he doesn't feel like he receives the same love. At least mm. again, this is from Martha's perspective. And Martha says that he wasn't my favourite cousin until I moved we both moved back home in our mid twenties and I learn to understand his perspective and they have this really funny yeah. exchange where she's just like didn't you know you like it sounds like she's saying you didn't know that you were adopted but actually he's like oh, of course I knew I was adopted and she's like no I'm not talking about that but you're not white and then like it's funny because obviously he knows that he's not white it's so obvious but it's just them being silly um yeah <laughs> and being funny and I guess together. the feeling of feeling like different yeah, because like, that's Martha's thing, isn't it? She feels like she feels like she's not normal because she's got all these mental health issues, and like, she, like that's like, yeah, it's like quite deep. That like I don't know, um, but yeah, but they're both so loved by their family. They're both adored like by their cousins. They have like relationships and routines that they all do together that they really cherish that they have together. Like the walks that they used to do across London. Mm. Um, oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, love that. And there's a lot of descriptions of the settings like London, Paris, and Oxford, which I love. So um, it's just like it's it's good. But like, so I the oh, we just read loads around the author, uh, author because we were like interested. But there was a thing from a Guardian article, and um, she's talking about when she released the book, and she said um, Meg Mason says she started to feel anxious about the fact. So she started to feel, and then the quote is, anxious about the fact that I'd essentially written a mental health novel by accident. She worried about the interpolation of extremely harrowing material with high comedy and about the way that she's amalgamated bits and pieces of real conditions to make a sort of composite portrait portrait of mental disintegration. Um, She was concerned about readers, especially vulnerable ones, following too closely some of Martha's decisions and behaviours. I felt such a burden of responsibility to any reader for whom that's a real and daily battle. To them, I'm just a novelist in a shed having, in inverted commas, fun with it. So, yeah. And then she said, it's not a schizophrenia book, the bipolar book, the borderline personality book. It's a book about what it feels like to have X or to look after someone with X and what it does to the extended family and the marriage. Yeah, which just like thumbs up, really. I think mm-hmm. um, it really does. I just like that. It's. I feel like everyone should be. I feel like we do need to talk about mental health, like as a thing. Mm-hmm. It's so incredibly and I think important. It, agreed, and I think this book talks about it in like a multifaceted way. Like it talks about it how it impacts the person who's struggling and the ripple effect of that of people around them and you know and their relationships and stuff um such a good book <laughs> isn't it it really is it, and it's done delicate delicately as well and like yeah. no matter what anyone says to you because I was having a conversation with like two doctors yesterday oh um, yeah who work in mental health and like I had sent Kath like um 
a link to a petition that was going around because the Daily Fail had, like, as they do, written a really insensitive piece about um, uh, mental around mental health and like young girls and this trend on on TikTok specifically where people are sharing maybe like um tips and tips lack yeah. of a better word on how to do certain things or um um or just being like sharing maybe that they're sad or depressed or how to achieve certain um goals quote unquote um and they were like oh they're just doing it for attention that was the article which is really really damaging because we should yeah. be in a place where we're having open discussions about what's going on and on the flip side I'm talking to this NHS doctor that's going this is really really concerning um because they've fight as with anything like when we were growing up on the internet age and maybe me more so people would take to blogs and chat rooms to share that kind of stuff yeah. like um around mental health you know like tips on all sorts if you go that sort of deep into the dark darkness but um like we we've moved internet's changed time has changed the way that people mm-hmm. share information is different so if this is yeah. an outlet for a younger generation and that's the outlet the 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 point is not to demonize them or say they're doing it for attention the, the point is to go okay how what's the solution here how can we help it's a cry them? for help no like yeah I think it's really da- like so damaging to say it's for attention it's more well like I guess in a way it's a cry for help rather help. than attention like yeah I don't know and also like it's it's the age the age old thing of being like oh yeah this is for attention or like you know like oh these people like just doing it for like whatever and you know there might be like one person who's not got good intentions but then the rest of them do and you can't yeah. just base it around like potential of one person having bad intentions like when most of them are just doing it because that's how they're like expressing themselves like it's so stupid like oh just noisy. I could go on about this yeah <laughs> it's, it's like it's, 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 it's honestly such an um as with most things on everything on the daily mail just very mm. very infuriating um, and demonizing like scapegoating like making some like one person one like taking an example of one person and then demonising a whole group of people for no reason. Like, stop it. <laughs> but, like, they're, they're pandering to an audience, aren't they? And Yeah. So, they we won't are. go into that. Mm. But, um, it, it's, it's, I think it's, a, it's good to have conversations because the more conversations we have, the more people you could potentially help. And you, you never know that like, that one thing could have such a ripple effect um yeah who was telling me the other day oh god I can't remember it was a guy and they were telling me that their friends or their friends friends or someone had started meeting up regularly since lockdown to just mm-hmm. talk about their feelings and I just thought that was so nice I can't remember who it was it's really annoying but um yeah they were saying like they just they have like a specific time and everybody just goes to the pub and they just like find out how everyone's doing I just thought that's really nice. I love like, that. Obviously, like um, with men and suicide and their numbers being disproportionate to women and stuff, like because yeah, and like I think we we touched on it in anxious people a little bit as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I just really liked that. I just thought that was such a nice idea and like so 
like it was probably really helping them as well because even if it just even if it just tells them that it's okay to speak about their feelings then it's doing good isn't it because then in a different situation in their life they might be like oh actually I need to tell someone that I'm not not doing so good exactly um, so yeah just thought it was really exactly. nice and I think we do we we've had a mental health crisis with the pandemic but also I think it's only going to get worse to be honest with you um so like it is so important to speak about how especially, you're feeling and like, get help ex- yeah especially now with the sort of economic part yeah that plays with it it's gonna exactly. completely compound anything that's probably already existing um, exactly yeah so if you are feeling a certain way make sure you get help um yeah or just talk to some like talk to somebody like talk to anyone someone, yeah. really a friend a professional like someone that can put you in the right direction like most most places but like workplaces have mental health first aiders now don't they which is good. yeah that's a thing um and stuff like that but yeah so it's a really good book and I think it's really it does open up the conversation and I think it also opens up people's minds a little bit like if you've never really been exposed to it like it it would definitely help to give you a certain level of understanding um and yeah and then I think she does say that obviously like well I think also so the thing about you know the thing about the basically her mental health condition is never named it's always like a blank isn't it yeah um which I think it's actually really powerful um I'm not sure that everybody would agree with that but I think it's really powerful because it's like it's about it's not I don't know what I'm trying to say but it's like it's like what she's saying it's not it's not a book about like one condition it's a book about like how it feels to be dealing with something and like everything that comes with that basically yeah I think once you put a name on it it takes away probably takes away the impact or the message behind it well also she doesn't talk about like the medical stuff does she so if you if she put if she decided to focus on like one condition then she'd probably have to be very careful about the medical like uh, stuff that she talked about but she doesn't really talk about the medical stuff because she's not a professional like she can't she shouldn't do you know what I mean also sometimes I think things don't need a reason to be yeah as in like it, it could just be that that is the way it doesn't need a reason I think people look for answers because it helps them reason why something is happening but mm. sometimes things don't need a reason to be they just are and so yeah by putting a name to it like you you give people an answer to help them in their mind um justify or understand what's going on but the world doesn't work like that sometimes things are just mm. as they are um yeah the other thing I wanted to say was like um, in in amongst it all that she talks about, we talk about motherhood, but she also questions a lot around like whether she wants to be a mother, mm. which was really interesting because she flipped back and forth on that quite a bit. And mm. um, when she was in her first, oh sugar, I don't want to lose that, in her first relationship, with the the first marriage Jonathan the Jonathan he convinces her to have a baby even though she's just like I don't want one and mm. um she and everyone's really shocked by it especially her sister and she says I told Ingrid that I had let Jonathan change my mind as she understood it it was a brief reversal of a life choice I had never been able to tell her about my terror of pregnancy at the time I acquired it or as I got older and instead of diminishing 
uh, my teenage fear intensified until I was a woman, not just afraid of being pregnant, a damaged fetus, a damaged baby, but of babies in general, mothers and the concept of motherhood itself. One person charged with creating and keeping safe an entire human being. Mm. Uh, Ingrid would declare my fear irrational, illegitimate as a basis of an adult decision. And now I did not want her to know that so that so afraid I still let Jonathan assured Jonathan's assured way of being and his propulsive energy overwhelm me and make me think I wasn't scared at all. um, Mm. So I was just like, wow, like, it's such a genuine, I think it's a good genuine, well, of course, it's a thought that she had. It manifested itself into something felt much bigger than than, than what the initial thought was. I feel like it's well, like we're starting to, yeah, we're starting to talk about it more now in society, but like people like women often don't like talk about it if they don't want kids because it's like, oh, why not? And it's like we never ask someone why they want kids either. No. Like, I don't know. It's just like we talked about that with Olive, didn't we? Like um Yeah. Yeah, I just think very interesting. And also think I think it I think that's what part of the reason why I think this book is so good because it does touch upon so many things, but it doesn't do it in like a surface level way somehow in such a short space of time, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, Kath very kindly shared with me the um women the women's prize, when they have this short list, they have such brilliant like um what do you call it? Uh reading guides. So it gives you a plot Mm. summary, it tells you what to look out for, it gives you discussion points, and then also it gives you, like, questions and then next steps if you want to have a stab at, like, writing stuff. Um, And so we pulled a few, but I really like the last question they ask, which is how might Martha's mental health experience compare with that of a woman of colour or a woman from a lower socioeconomic background? Um, And I said to Kath that, like, Martha is... So it does says, do you think Martha is a privileged character is how it starts. And I was just like, she is very fortunate to have had the safety nets in place that allowed her to be able to deal with her mental health in the way that she's been able to deal with it. Like knowing Peregrine and going to Paris, the fact that Winsome is like very, she was Roland wealthy, her uncle. They're, they're very wealthy and they have a yeah, house. Yeah, they're wealthy. They buy their parents' house, don't they? they but yeah, she, yeah, she buys her parents' house. Like, she's very, they were very fortunate to have the life, the, yeah. the resources that they had because they think, and we all know, like, at least in the UK, that access to healthcare, especially when you are of a different ethnicity or a socioeconomic background, is, like, inequitable. Um, well, yeah, and for sure. So people aren't treated the same. And people probably wouldn't get as much support. Um, so is Martha And I think support, yes. support from a perspective of, like, being able to afford therapy and stuff, but also support mm-hmm. in terms of, like, her being able to, like, not work for six months because she's yeah. having a depressive episode. Like, that's that's not the case for everybody. So... Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's it's good that the Women's Prize posed that question, actually. Because um, it's good to think about, like, that. And, like, obviously, when we talk about, like, it's book about mental health, but it's obviously isolated to its story. It's not, like, about everybody's experience with mental health. Um, yeah. Not everyone's going to have an opportunity to just, like, not work and still be able to fund. Yeah. Be funded, essentially. She was able to still... Yeah 
feed and clothe herself. Um, yeah. Even though she goes go for people. a sit, she goes through like a period where she wears like the same outfit after she leaves Jonathan, right? Yeah. It's like the one thing she got rid of everything else and she had this like one outfit she would wear every day. That's just like yeah. a, a side effect of what she's going through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. But what, so yeah, what is there anything else you want to touch upon? Um, hello? I think in general, like an excellent book, and to be honest, Talking about it feels like it doesn't give it justice. Like, you should go read it. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. read it. Yeah. Or tell your friends to read it. Give it to everyone. I had to rescue gonna... it from my housemate's room because I'd given it to her. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I want this back now. Yeah. I just need to borrow this for a sec. <laughs> yeah. And now it's And mine. also, just to comment on a very trivial thing, um, you be mother and Sora and Bliss have the same, like, spine. So next to each other on my bookshelf, they'll look very nice. <laughs> that is actually so, quite aesthetically pleasing. I'm just looking. It so is. I bought you Be Mother to read for your book club, which I still haven't gone to or read a book for. But it's just behind me now. Oh, I can tell I'm you actually... what the next one is. What is it? I can tell you what the next one is and you can come to it okay. um, after this. Um, but yeah, no, it is. And also would you Be Mother, I think, uh, fine to read. And also short chapters. We love like, that. So, yeah, but read Tour and Bliss, people. Read it. Five stars on Goodreads. I gave it, by the way. Would you go on Goodreads? Haven't oh. read it yet. Probably be like five stars, four, five stars. Four. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, no reason to give it. Yeah, probably five. Hopefully, in our next episode, we'll do something a little bit more uplifting. Well, they're probably not, actually. <laughs> Oh, we did, oh, we did considering what I've been reading recently yeah Jeanette McCurdy probably it's which is fantastic spoiler very good um, oh don't, be, God, don't be put off by the title it's provocative for a reason but it's also very like true for her situation so um, yeah maybe we'll find try and find a more uplifting book to do I think yeah <laughs> we'll, also it's another memoir I think we are retiring every one of memoirs at the moment yeah yeah um but yeah cool okay well there's it yeah until what are you reading now um on the missing I'm reading trees. yeah the island of missing trees so. I love that there's a blue cover and I've got the yellow cover but they're both like aesthetically pleasing in and both colours I have colors. the hardback because you bought it for me when it was still in hardback I did but it's, it's not good. an offensive hardback it's a it's not an offensive hardback so yeah if you know you know that's yeah that. I mean <laughs> there's like three books that I really want to read there's Carrie Soto's back there's Bolu's book and there's the Coco and Frankenstein they're all hardbacks and I'm all dragging my feet on them they're going to be Christmas reads I think when I'm in the house, not going anywhere. She really bollies book good. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Why okay. Well, I know. <laughs> oh. I'm actually going to go bad, but now I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. And stop.
And that's the app. If you like the episode, please leave us a lovely review, subscribe and share with your friends and we'll love you forever. <laughs> Follow us on socials at We Are Bookish Pod. Thanks for listening.